Welcome to the Mothering Through Childhood Cancer podcast, where we explore mindset strategies to help you navigate your child's cancer journey with confidence. My name is Samara Potter. I'm a pediatric oncologist, certified life coach, and your host. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the Parenting Through Childhood Cancer podcast. I'm so happy you're able to join us. I'm back after taking a little bit of a break. I went to New Orleans for the first in-person conference that I've been able to go to in about three years, children with, uh, with childhood cancer, and it was wonderful, amazing to be back in person again. And also, I love New Orleans. Of course, who doesn't love New Orleans? Um, but I love the culture. I love, uh, I love the, the art, the food. So I had just an amazing time, and I'm uh, so I took a little bit of time off for that. But I am back this week, and I'd like to tackle a really important concern that I get from parents when patients um, and kids are first diagnosed with cancer, which is how to talk to your child about their diagnosis. And I'm going to talk in this podcast a little bit about talking to your child about their new diagnosis, but there are some principles that I think can be adapted to talking to siblings or talking about other big topics. So, you know, any sort of big unexpected topic with your kids, like a surgery that's coming up, or if you um, recognize that a transplant is needed, a lot of these same principles apply. And one of the things I want to mention is that I as a little caveat, is that I'm aware that there are often cultural nuances to discussing illness. So for example, in some cultures, all of the medical care and knowledge about a patient's illness are addressed by family members and rather than the patient themselves. So the patient doesn't have a really active role in, in choosing their own care. And I'm not here to make any judgments about anybody's cultural practices. I just want to mention this and to say that I'm not going to address these sorts of scenarios today, but if you do find yourself in one of these scenarios where you think that there is a pretty big cultural gap between your family and the expectations and what the uh, providers, your medical team um, and caregivers' expectations are, I think it's always really, really important and key to communicate and early and often about these issues so that everybody can be on the same page. Okay, so let's get started. So when thinking about having a weighty discussion like a cancer diagnosis, I think about it in two phases. So the first is really preparation. And then the second is the conversation itself. And preparation is really a key element in helping you from feeling and helping you not feel overwhelmed by the prospect of talking about this with your child. You know, a really a key way to help you get to feeling ready. And I want to emphasize that the goal here is not to feel good or happy or excited about having these talks, but rather to get to a place of feeling some sense of calmness, steadfastness, or readiness. And I also think it's important to remember that there's always going to be an element of nervousness anxiety, unease that is present and that is okay. It doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. It's completely normal. But I want you to be able to feel as though you are 
as ready as you can be to have this sort of conversation. Um, and also to know that as you have more and more conversations with your kids about difficult topics, that these conversations become, do become easier to navigate. So for me, the preparation portion is made up of three steps. And the first step is what I call determining the takeaway. And the takeaway is really just a single short sentence about what is the point of the conversation. So what do you want your child to take away from this discussion? If they were to remember nothing at all about the discussion, except for one thing, what is that one thing? And so for a newly diagnosed child, that takeaway might be, you have cancer. And it's important to remember what the takeaway is because a lot of times we start thinking about, oh my goodness, my child's going to ask all these questions and what if I can't answer them and this, that, or the other. But the reality is a lot of times when you are breaking bad news to people, you break the bad news and they hear that kind of one sentence of bad news and then everything else from the conversation gets kind of blocked out by their memory. <laughs> and a lot of times you can have, I've had lots of conversations, two to three hour conversations with people where they'll tell me a couple months later, I, I don't remember anything after you said the word cancer. I've had conversations where people didn't even remember that we had a conversation and thought I had left a voicemail. <laughs> There's all sorts of crazy things. So the mind will do what it needs to do to protect you. So it's important to remember what is the purpose of this conversation? What's the one takeaway I want my child to know? And that way we don't get so focused on in the weeds of everything and thinking that we need to know everything about the whole situation and be able to answer every single question. Okay, so the takeaway in this case would be you have cancer and and remember, again, it's always, this takeaway always should connect to the underlying purpose of the discussion. So the second step in preparation is what I call setting the stage. And that is considering where and when and where and when the conversation should take place. And then who are the key players who should or should not be there. So the good news is as a parent, you know your child and uh, you know how they would prefer to have this kind of news given. So... Some parents want to discuss this alone with, with a teenager, for example. Others might want grandparents to be present or another important caregiver. Really is very um, individual in terms of, of who people want to have there. But this is something that I think is important to consider ahead of time so that you can really go into it not feeling like there's an important piece missing can also consider at this point whether you want to have a pre physician present to either give the news themselves or to answer questions afterwards. Some parents want their physician to be there to um, just listen and then be able to answer questions afterwards. Some, some parents prefer to kind of be there present for their child but have the physician break the news themselves. Whatever it is that you want, however you want to do it, your your care team should be able to help with this and with you navigating this, but you're not in it alone and there's no right or wrong way to do it. And another person I think it's important to consider about having is child life. So for example, if your child is on the younger side or 
if you are discussing something where it might need, you know, props might be helpful, um, age-appropriate dolls or, or props that might be able to, to show what you're trying to explain. Having those, those providers there with you can always be helpful. So in terms of setting, I like to pick times when the child we know will be awake and also a calm environment where we can minimize disruptions. So, you know, you don't want to do it, <laughs> you know, right before bedtime, for example, when the child's sleepy, not paying attention. You don't want to do it right after they wake up from sedation, um, where they might be confused or in pain. Okay. And of course, there's always different situations where you have to break news at inopportune times because of, of one reason or another. But if you get to choose having it be in a calm environment where everyone can focus, where everyone can hear each other, and your child is awake and alert and able to participate is ideal. So this third step in the preparation phase is what I call the cleanup. And I kind of think about it as if I'm tidying up my uh, my house before having people over only in this case it's really tidying up my mind so i spend a few minutes writing down my thoughts and concerns emptying out my brain onto paper so i i like to do this physically i like to have a pen and paper some people like to type other people might meditate but the idea here is really to be able to get any of my concerns or my thoughts kind of out of the way so that I can be able to be there and fully focus and be present for the child and really just be able to convey the information and focus on the child. So sometimes, you know, of course, we're all human. We all have feelings. And when this is your child, you especially have feelings, right? There's There are feelings of sadness about having to deliver the news, of, you know, of guilt for not knowing ahead of time, which of course... I don't think is is warranted, but is one of the very most common feelings that the majority of parents feel when a patient is when their when their kid is first diagnosed. So there's all sorts of feelings, and so really getting your own feelings out. I prefer to do it on paper. You can do it however you want, just thinking, meditating. Some people might want to listen to music to just zone out and really be able to get out of your own headspace, um, so that you can be able to focus directly on your child during the discussion. So th those are the three steps of preparation. So again, the takeaway, right? Figuring out what the takeaway is. And then the second step, setting the stage, figuring out who you want to have in the conversation and where and when you want it to take place. And then the third part being kind of the cleanup and tidying up your mind before before you have the conversation. So now I'm going to get into a little bit about the elements of the conversation itself. And so I find personally that the best way to open up the conversation is by asking the child what they already know or understand. So this is something you want to do in an open-ended way, not something where you want to ask a question that's going to get you kind of a yes or no answer but something that will get whoever it is to open up and talk a little bit and really get you to be able to understand a little bit about what they know about the situation that, that you're addressing. So for a teenager, I might start by saying, 
can you tell me what you know about why you're here in the hospital? Or with a younger child, I could ask, uh, do you know where you are? And assuming we're in the hospital or the doctor's office and then saying, you know, okay, do you know why you're at the doctor? You know, I hear you haven't been feeling well. Can you tell me about it? And so that you're able to get the patient, the child to open up uh, and really talk to you about what it is that they're, that they already know and understand. And this allows you to ensure that you're explaining things in a way that they will understand as well. So once your child has told you what they know, um, my next step is to do something which is known as firing a warning shot, which is just a way of saying that I let them know that I'm going to deliver bad news. Okay, that there's something is coming that, you know, that is is not something that they're necessarily going to feel positively about. And so I might say something like, we have some answers about why you're feeling sick and I wish I had better news. And then I would follow up the, with the bad news itself. And the most important part about this delivery is to say it simply and compassionately. So I might say, unfortunately, your test results came back and you have bone cancer. So if it's a young child who isn't familiar with cancer, I might say, you know, unfortunately, we can tell your body is very sick and that sickness is called cancer. And the important part after you deliver this news is, is to stop and do something which we in the coaching world called holding space. So holding space is, is what you call kind of sitting quietly and allowing the child to react in whatever way they, they choose. So by holding space, I allow the child to direct the conversation in any way they need. And it really runs the gamut. So some kids will cry, some kids will be angry, some appear not to react at all, even though they um, logically understand exactly and can repeat back to you exactly what you said. The important part about holding space is really to decenter yourself and really put the focus on the child on sitting with them and just being there present in the moment with them as um, they process their feelings in whatever way works best for them. So it's important to take the time to hold the space with love and compassion, allowing your child to express their feelings or sit and think about their feelings um, even if they don't outwardly express them, without trying to fix or manage their emotions and just allowing them to have um, whatever sort of reaction that they are going to have. After holding space, there comes a time when the child is ready to either continue or end the conversation. And what I typically do at this point is to let them know that there's no right or wrong way to feel and that they're not alone they have their family, a team of caregivers who will be with them on this journey. And that if they have any other questions, I always answer them honestly and with love and compassion. And it can be very tempting to, to want to answer questions. I think especially as parents, we have this temptation to answer questions by reassuring our children and saying things like, you know, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. 
I, I try to answer as honestly as I can. So even if that says, you know, I don't know if everything, how, how things are going to work out, but we're going to try very hard to make sure that you have the best outcome as possible, or we're, we're going to do everything we can to make this better. So I try to be able to give some comfort, but also without making promises that I know are not within my power to keep. So that's usually the end of the conversation. You know, the, the, the child may have some questions and we answer and, and then the conversation ends. And yet, I think it's important to note that um, these initial conversations are just a jumping off point. And so you should anticipate that your child will have significantly more questions after the initial discussion. And it's important to remember, you don't have to have the answer to any of these questions. It's okay to say you don't know that you have questions that you will find out to lean on any of the members of the care team that you have um, and ask them for, for questions. I think um, it is one of the things that I have learned as a physician is to never pretend that I have the answers when I don't. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because I remember growing up thinking that my parents had the answers to everything. And um, I don't ever remember my parents ever telling me that they didn't know. And I think that was a little bit based on, on how uh, parenting was back in that generation and the, just the idea of parents are supposed to have the answers. And I actually think it's it's nice to be able to show your kids that it's okay not to have all the answers and not to know what's going on and that that's part of life and it's it's not necessarily a problem okay so with that I want to just offer a couple of pieces of, of advice and reassurance which is first of all that you are in a great situation in terms of talking to your child because you know your child best and unlike those of us physicians who walk into these these conversations with kids and we are as prepared as we can be, but of course we don't know each individual child, you know, you really know your child. And so you're in a really good position to be able to provide them with comfort and reassurance and guidance uh, through this process. I think the other thing to remember is that, you know, whatever reaction they have, whether it's really being very upset or whether they seem to not be reacting and you you worry that they're not expressing their feelings or whether they're very angry. None of these reactions are something to fix or to change. Um, and of course, if you're ever having any difficulty managing these, then these are, this is a great place to ask your, your physician and your um, medical team for help. So it's important to remember that you and your child are not alone in this. There are many, many resources um, and many places to to connect with parents of uh, kids with cancer, and it's always something that you can ask. You can ask your social worker for help with resources if and finding ways to do this um, if you know if it's not something that you can think about right at the moment. So with that. I want to make sure that I thank you all for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, please leave me a review. If you have any ideas for future podcast topics, I'd love to hear them. You can reach me on Instagram at kidscancercoach or via email at samarapottercoaching at gmail.com.
Bye. Take care. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more, check out my website at www.motheringthrough.com. It's the best place to go to find more resources on mindset coaching for moms of kids with cancer. It's also where you can sign up for a free discovery call with me where we chat, no pressure, about whether coaching is right for you. See you there.